This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, of course, this is not Brandon. Of course, it's not Dan. This is Nick. Uh, as we are going through uh, a bit of a, a bit of a slow week between Chelsea's matches uh, at the weekends, and uh, as as promised, the summer have an update on uh, our friends at Strasbourg uh, with our friend JJ from from CBS. JJ, how are you doing? Yeah, doing very well. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me back on. And uh, yeah, I guess the the first thing that I'm really keen to know is how that uh, that trip that trip over with uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of the Chelsea boys is uh, shaping up. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting time. Uh, the summer was pretty crazy, as as you might imagine, and it's a uh, you know not not manifested itself in the start of the season that we would have hoped so far, but. Uh, only 13% gone. So, um, look, today we're going to be talking about uh, all of the updates at Strasbourg, essentially what's happened in the offseason, how the start of the season's gone. We'll take a quick look at Angelo's uh, performance and results so far uh, and then and then wrap. But uh, if you are interested in learning more about Strasbourg, if you're looking for a little bit of history, I would recommend that you go back to our June episode with JJ where we did a little bit of a preamble and then talked about uh, the ins and outs of the club. Uh, obviously, this is a, a new relationship for Bluco, and uh, so it's, it's something that we're all kind of learning and growing with. So if you're looking for more of the deep dive on, on who Strasbourg are and uh, what you know kind of makes them tick, the June episode is great. We'll link that in the show notes. Uh, but before we get started and jump into all the good things uh, going on with our friends at Blue Co. in Strasbourg, we just wanted to do a quick call to action. We exist thanks to you, uh, our amazing Chelsea supporters and community. Uh, look, the uh, the best ways to support us, as you know, for free are five-star reviews, subscribing on YouTube, subscribing on TikTok, Instagram, all those different ways. If you are looking to uh, increase uh, your uh, engagement within our ecosystem, patreon.com forward slash London, is, or London Blue Pod, I should say, is the way to do that. Um, the Discord server is incredible, and there are lots of great things about that community if you are looking to kind of up the ante a little bit. Uh, we're on our push to 30K on YouTube, and just that free subscription really does a lot for us to help uh, see those videos and, and get that out into the world. So reminder that we had Matt Law on Tuesday. We have Blue Royalty content this week. We have a Villa preview with Sam on Friday. Lots of great stuff happening in the London is Blue universe. So let's jump right in to what's going on at Strasbourg. JJ, to dive right in, uh, obviously, uh, there's been a lot that's happened over the summer uh, at Strasbourg. Uh, Blue Co. acquisition, some negative fan sentiment, fair to say. Um, just talk us through the start of the season. How is fan sentiment around the club and how do you think that the you know offseason uh, went for them with, with all this new uh, kind of world that they've entered into? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, uh, you know, massive changes for, for Strasbourg because sort of the financial muscle now that comes with Bruco, uh, you know, puts them on a completely different level to, to, to what they've been used to before. You just look at some of the acquisitions that they've made, some of the money that's been spent, uh, you know, that was kind of previously, uh, you know, unthinkable, like buying guys who alone uh, sort of cost more than, you know, some of their, summer transfer budgets have been uh, since their return to Ligue 1. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, been a question of sort of adapting to those changes. Um, 
sort of trying to win over uh, some of the guys who were, you know, looking to to leave in terms of what the project could be, what it could turn into for them if they stayed on. Obviously, we know that Jiku didn't, uh, ended up leaving. Uh, and the same situation was basically going to happen with Jean-Ric Bellegarde as well. He's now, uh, you know, also made the, made the move. But uh, in terms of sort of what the start of the season has been like uh, and sort of the start to life under Patrick Vieira has been like. It's uh, It's been a bit up and down, you know. Uh, Strasbourg's form has been a bit patchy. Uh, you know, they started with like two wins from three, which, you know, is, is pretty decent. Uh, there have been, uh, you know, a couple of uh, losses where, you know, they've been sort of well beaten, both Monaco and uh, Nice. But uh, sort of the draw against Montpellier, uh, you know, I think that's sort of more sort of in line with with Hasbro leveling out um, you know perhaps what we can sort of expect from them you know I think based on last season and the relegation battle where they had some sort of like mid-table security sort of with a with a view to potentially moving into sort of like the top half of the table because don't forget it's now an 18 team Nigan so sort of top half of the table is the the top nine uh, and you know I think that will ultimately be the the aim uh, you know, Vieira's come back to, to France, obviously had a bit of a, a patchy record with uh, with Nice uh, in his last spell uh, in his home country. Uh, comes back sort of having won a lot of um, credit for what he tried to do with Crystal Palace. But equally, uh, sort of big questions about sort of where he goes next. So he was an interesting fit uh, with Bluco in terms of, uh, you know, developing the, the project. Uh, yeah. But a more difficult one, I would say, to, to Antonetti, who he succeeded. Uh, you know, so really it's just been a question of sort of bedding in some of these new players, uh, you know, and, and sort of trying to, to find uh, some sort of, you know, con- consistency on the pitch. So like I said, it's been a bit of a mixed bag at the moment, but, you know, perhaps we're starting to see Strasbourg level out. So I'd say the one thing that many people are, sort of quite happy about so far this season, whether you relate that to Blue Co or not, is the fact that Strasbourg's early home form is pretty decent. Uh, you know, two wins and a draw from three games. That's something that was certainly missing the, the last couple of years, certainly last season, uh, you know, really making Alsace a, a difficult place for, for teams to go. Uh, and I think that that will certainly be something that Vieira uh, is very keen to, to drum into the players, because traditionally speaking, Strasbourg, although they travel quite well in terms of fan backing and everything like that, their form on the road is normally less formidable than it is at home. Covered a lot there, obviously. Uh, We'll we'll dive deeper into some of the results uh, that have happened to date uh, after we do kind of the preamble from the summer here. So given, uh, you know, the the acquisition, do you feel like fan sentiment has changed at all um, since summer or is it still kind of where it was? I think when you talk about these kind of takeovers, uh, you know, not just uh, not just Blue Co, but, you know, you look at, say, 777 with Red Star, uh, a bit further down the French footballing pyramid in the third tier. Normally there is, um, you know, quite a sense of dissatisfaction and the fans will be quite vocal, especially at the beginning of the season before there's sort of any results on the pitch to sort of judge it by. And normally, you know, good run of results will keep that in check sure there'll be the sort of like murmurings and like you know bubbling of uh of, of, of discontent uh you know and sometimes you know so voicing of frustrations but generally speaking uh, i think as long as form remains good on the pitch for for Hassing, then uh you know i don't think that there'll be as much sort of opposition and criticism uh of of the blue code decision as there would have been uh, you know, had form been very similar to what we saw last season. You know, if those struggles were to come back, 
uh, I think that there would probably be a lot of a lot more frustration directed towards uh, you know Bluco and uh, and the likes of Mark Keller. And I'd say Keller as well in particular for for his role sort of while he's still at the club. Uh, you know he, he he's somebody who the fans because of their respect for what he's done over the years and how he's re- rebuilt the club, they won't want to sort of speak out of turn against him. But there was a lot of frustration towards him before the blue coat deal got done and, and form was poor and sort of there was no real way to for, for Strasbourg to approach the future. Uh, you know, I would say that he's probably lost the right to the patience that he would have had before now that the blue coat deal has gone through and it's not quite what the, the supporters would have chosen had it been up to them. Okay. Um, obviously, the stadium rebuild is a big part of this, you know, kind of apparatus and, and part of the acquisition from Bluco. It's 160 million euro investment, which is not small, obviously, but required based on our previous conversation about the club and where the where the stadium is at this moment. It appears that work is is begun on on the south end, um, and that, of course, that's going to re- temporary. Re- temporarily reduce capacity in the stadium to about 20,000 or 19,000. Do you feel like this has had any sort of effect at the start of the year? I mean, uh, you know, you will see, uh, you know, various like states of change, uh, you know, in the stadium over the over the coming months and, and years. Uh, and to be honest, that's true of a number of different league clubs. I mean, look at Clermont, for example, they've got an entire stand uh, which is very visible when you're watching on TV. So, uh, you know, obviously it does take a big chunk out of uh, sort of the, you know, what is a very vociferous uh, atmosphere. Um, but equally, I'd say sort of if form was to get difficult, uh, sort of having less of that feeling that the fans could be on the players' backs, uh, you know, might sort of take a bit of pressure out of the situation. But Realistically, uh, it's always going to be a, a sacrifice. It was always going to be a sacrifice for, for Strasbourg because as soon as you deprive the team of some of the fans at home, uh, you know that takes uh, away sort of you know a, a large amount of uh, support or a significant amount of support, which really sort of adds to this feeling that, that Strasbourg were a very formidable team uh, to come up against on uh, on home turf. Uh, also, you know, the financial impact of it. Yes, obviously, we know with, with Bluco coming in that Strasbourg's finances are in a much better position than they were before. But still, when you take a chunk out of uh, the, the fan base that's coming to the games on a regular basis, that's also a significant amount of money that's coming into the club each week because we know that the reason or one of the reasons for, for this renovation happening, aside from the fact that it's been a long time since the last renovation, so everything's a bit dated, uh, is the fact that, uh, you know, Strasbourg, one of, the, one of the clubs in France where the fans will turn out, they'll turn out in numbers and they'll turn out for every single game so the the capacity boost was was absolutely necessary uh so you know i think it's got to be viewed really as a, a necessary evil because while it is a bit of a setback uh you know sort of in the moment uh you know there's no real other solution for uh for Strasbourg to go and play elsewhere uh and uh you know this this capacity extension uh, expansion needed to, to happen at some point uh, you know for the club to continue to to grow and, and to be on an upward trajectory so uh you know sort of bad for a good um you know ultimately uh you know i think Strasbourg will be in a much better place once the the bulk of that renovation work is done obviously you mentioned Vieira already and this is a major uh, kind of acquisition over the summer uh previously at palace didn't quite go the way I think a lot of people thought that was going to go. Uh, his teams at times 
played attractive football and at times played pretty turgid football. Um, obviously, you know, the, the quote from Keller here is Patrick's arrival should allow us to make further progress, take a step forward. It corresponds with the profile that we're looking for a manager with international experience and a good knowledge of Lugo with uh, its young players. Uh, what are your thoughts about this hire? There, there were a lot of articles at the time kind of surprised that he went back to Liga after being in the Premier League. Is that kind of how you feel about the appointment? Or do you think that, that Strasbourg maybe just got a steal here? I mean, I think there's a lot of different factors that, that go towards it. Uh, you know, I think obviously in an ideal world, Vieira would have uh, stayed in the Premier League, but also at the same time, it's a question of the the right opportunity arriving at the right time. Uh, you know, in Strasbourg, we're about to, you know, be transformed by the by the Blue Car acquisition. So I think that in itself was attractive to, to Vieira, because if you'd offered him the Strasbourg job without the Blue Car backing, I'm sure it would have been a completely different uh, prospect for him and probably one that he would have been less uh, interested in. Also, you know, with Vieira sort of uh, still coaching under the the Blue Coast or the, you know, the kind of Premier League umbrella, because, you know, there still will be a lot of te- attention paid to, to how Strasbourg were doing, uh, you know, that kind of keeps him on the radar uh, for potential Premier League opportunities in the future. And, and you know, also, you know, should the should this Clasborg project go as planned, uh, you know, maybe he'll find himself, uh, you know, coaching a, a team in Europe in the next uh, in the next couple of years. I mean, one thing that I think does sort of speak in Vieira's favour, certainly from his experience with Palace, uh, is that he's used to working with some sort of like younger talents, trying to to bring them through, bleed them in, make them solid, uh, you know, senior options, and and also to build them up potentially for future involvement in uh, in Premier League football. And I think his experience of the Premier League, both as a player and as a manager, uh, you know, will also make him extremely valuable in terms of preparing those players for potential uh, use by Chelsea in the future. Well, we're going to dive into the uh, squad and results coming up. We'll just take a very quick ad break and be right back. Are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're bored of US streaming services, why not take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and at the click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue you know, like the name of the podcast, to get a huge discount off of your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. Threat protection, they've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll send you a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened, just like Chelsea's 2022-2023 season. Check out my link at nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. 
All right, JJ, obviously it was a, a busy summer, maybe even a busier summer than uh, we thought it might be back in June uh, with, with Strasburg squad. Um, there were a bunch of departures, a lot of loans and, and some new acquisitions that popped in. On the departure side, Habib Diallo and Villegard are, are kind of the, I think, the main departures in terms of, you know, bringing in fees. Uh, were there any others on this list of, I think, 13 or 14 players that surprised you or do you think were, were potentially good business for the club? Uh, I mean, one one that did surprise me, we've already mentioned it, is Bilgard going to, to Wolves. Um, you know, sort of no disrespect to Wolves, but I sort of had Bilgard pegged to potentially go elsewhere, but obviously it's something that came together at the very end of the, the transfer window. Um, I think the sort of underrated departures outside of the ones that you've already mentioned uh, are actually the likes of Juku and, and Yena, because that's two very experienced players, two kind of central leadership figures as well. Juku, no surprise because he was coming to the end of his contract and obviously seeing him go to, go to Turkey, uh, you know, he's left to, to pursue potential European involvement, which at 28 years old, he couldn't sort of wait around and, and see if it happened uh, in the in the next couple of years. Whereas Lienar, at 35, uh, dropping down to, to play in Ligue 2 with uh, Bastia, it was, it's no surprise really that Strasbourg had to, to make that very difficult decision at, uh, at, at one point. I don't know if during our first uh, podcast appearance, we sort of touched on his story, but Lienar's... Um, story is uh is incredible really sort of he rose up through the ranks with Strasbourg as they were rebuilding uh you know from financial ruin uh you know relatively you know sort of locally born sort of in that sort of eastern region uh of France uh and sort of really a, a sort of rags to riches tale where you've got a guy who was essentially stacking shelves in a magazine shop uh a news agents essentially uh, who then goes on to to become a, a key figure for Strasbourg, uh, you know, not just sort of in the lower reaches, sort of your your fourth, third, second tier, but you know, goes on and becomes a, a consistent performer in Ligue 1 as well. Uh, you know, helps the the club to win its first silverware in years. So really, really leaves uh, as as a club legend. Um, you know, and some of the sort of uh, debate around the the nature of his departure was a little bit bitter, a little bit acrimonious. Uh, and that's perhaps something that I, I guess fans, some fans would point to and say, uh, you know, Bluco and, and Keller in their new sort of role together in the leadership of the club might have handled a little bit better. But it does also sound like there was, you know, perhaps, um, you know, some discrepancies between the, the the story from each side. But, you know, I'd say that Jiku and, and DNR certainly in terms of departures uh, and sort of the players out on the pitch now, they'll still be sort of big misses that are being felt for, for some time to come, given their leadership. I and mean, Maxime Le Marchand as well at 33, uh, you know, having to retire, that's, you know, another significant amount of experience. Uh, Karashima, even though he's backup goalkeeper again, you know, at 40, he, he had significant experience. Sanson as well. Uh, coming back to Ligue 1, but with Nice instead of Strasbourg, uh, you know, still something to to give on the pitch at, uh, at 28. Uh, you know, they they were always going to leave holes, uh, you know, in the in the team. So I think that's also brings me back to my first point about the home form so far so far this season. Because if Strasbourg can keep that home form going, it'd be very difficult to beat and pick up points more often than not. 
you know, that will go a long way to towards securing safety before any potential points on the road, you know, looks to push them up <clears throat> sort of above the, the mid-table mark. One question that I know we talked about in terms of departures and keeping the squad together in our previous episode was whether this acquisition would help Strasbourg keep a hold of some of their best talent. Do you feel like, you know, maybe outside of, of the names that you mentioned that Strasbourg largely kept the squad intact, or do you feel like this is already in rebuild mode? I mean, there are certain rebuild elements to it, but also, uh, you know, there are some some sort of significant talents who, you know, the, you know, the club have managed to, to keep a hold of. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a tricky one, uh, you know, when you've got the likes of uh, Ducouré and uh, Habib Diara who are wanted by a number of other clubs. Uh, you've also got a number of sort of younger players to to kind of bleed into the into the team. But I'd say sort of some of the players who have been allowed to, to move on, they're not exactly um, sort of the kind of profile of players who might be able to develop into a player uh, sort of of the quality that Chelsea would need in the future. They're sort of, you know, more sort of like old stages, you know, guys coming to the end of quite lucrative contracts that it didn't really make sense to extend in in many of uh, in many respects. So I, I'd say that while there is sort of a rebuild element in terms of those guys, we didn't have as much sort of resale value. Uh, you know, there have been some players that they've managed to keep, whether they're able to sort of keep them long term, uh, notably with regards to somebody like Diara, uh, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, you know, but I do like some of the, the acquisitions as well that, you know, could be sort of built for Strasbourg's future indie gun, but also could be of interest to, to Chelsea, uh, you know, sort of for the medium to long term when you've got guys uh, like Bakwa uh, coming in from uh, from Bordeaux, who's a, who's a real potential talent. So, uh, you know, I've, I, I've been curious to see some of these uh, players sort of getting, uh, you know, bled into this uh, Strasbourg side by Patrick Vieira. And I'm looking forward to seeing it more and more uh, sort of in the in the coming months, like guys who were on loan, for example, last season, like Moise Sai. Uh, who was in the second tier with Ansi. Uh, you know, that's uh, something that I think Strasbourg were also looking to recreate because of the success that he had last season because they've also loaned out uh, the very promising Candil uh, for the for the season. So, uh, you know, I do think that there is a, sort of a rebuilding element to it, but one, you know, also that's kind of like rooted in logic. And I'd say that the squad now has sort of less of a journeyman feel to it than it did last season. Obviously, the club spent approximately 56 million euros on new players. And I remember us talking about the previous budgets for for uh, for operations, not not really coming close to that number. Um, of course, with sales, I think they're minus 23 this season. But it looks like they really kind of did what Chelsea have done, which is go young in a lot of cases. A couple of young center backs, uh, a couple of young center forwards and wingers. Were there any of these purchases, whether it be Sila or Amea, that uh, stood out to you in terms of profile player that's coming to Strasbourg in this new model? I mean, in terms of uh, you know players coming in, I mean, looking at them spending twenty million on Sila and around thirteen million on Amea, that's you know already uh, a massive amount of money compared to what they would have spent before. I mean, if you look at Moanga and Bakwa as well, uh, you know, you sort of add those, uh, you know, those transfers together and yeah you're at sort of you know you're above 50 million euros which is you know unheard of for, for Strasbourg so 
you know, it's it's been a big summer of change, and you know, I'd say that they haven't gone crazy with that money. Uh, sort of juries out on some of the bigger purchases so far, uh, notably Silla. Uh, you know, but I, like I said earlier, I, I think that the likes of Morenga and uh, Bakwa, they were good sort of opportunistic acquisitions from uh, Bordeaux because their players will develop. Uh, at a nice pace uh, in the young and potentially sort of be ready to to push uh, Strasbourg towards Europe uh, in the next uh, season or two. Uh, and I do think as well, it was important to to really bring the average age of the the team down as well. Like I said, uh, you know, there's less of a journeyman element yeah. to the the group now. And you look at those sort of four main acquisitions or five, if you include Sadio Sau as well, uh, you know, none of them are older than 21. That's, uh, you know, really really like an injection of youth uh, that I think the Strasbourg have needed for, for quite some time. So it's, uh, you know, definitely a work in progress, but very, very nice to see Strasbourg um, sort of pursuing this, uh, this dynamic, whereas before they were more associated with bringing in like experienced players on loan um, or potentially sort of picking up guys who are on a free transfer because they left uh, another club and were looking for sort of one final uh decent-sized contract. One final ad break, and we will be right back to talk about the season and results. Be right back. There is no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. One of the things I love about Indeed is that they make hiring all in one place. It's easy because, well, candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in the search. When you get one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with a quality candidate, it makes it go faster. And when you're looking to hire, the quicker you get the right person in the role, the better. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com forward slash Blue Wire Sports. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire Sports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com forward slash Blue Wire Sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. You've mentioned some of the results so far this season, JJ, so I won't retread that territory. The team does have seven points. They sit in 10th on on those seven points with two wins, a draw, and two losses after five matches. Uh, played a midseason friendly uh, as well, which was interesting. Um, good news. They're two points off of the top four um, if, if they really wanted to push. Uh, but bad news is it seems like the style of play has kind of made them into a, a counterattacking team this season. They average roughly like 39 40% possession. Do get a decent amount of shots off. Um, and are, I think, on average, about like 31% shots on target from those shots. So uh, seems very much like the 4-2-3-1 is, is more built to hit on the counter. Does that seem accurate to you in the way that they play? I mean, I think my main observation so far would be that Strasbourg have had, uh, you know, what on paper looked like a really challenging start to the season. And that's not to say that it actually wasn't challenging in reality. Uh, obviously, we know that Lyon have massive problems now. So it's, you know, not that much of a surprise that Strasbourg beat them uh, very early on in the season. Monaco, uh, you know, also sort of leading the way at the, the top of Ligue 1 at the moment. So no surprise either that, uh, you know, they were able to, to inflict a, a fairly heavy defeat uh, on uh, Strasbourg. But I think whilst Strasbourg were finding their, 
their feet and their rhythm. It's no surprise to see that Vieira's gone for something that's very solid, uh, you know, sort of difficult to break down, even if it's not maybe the most imaginative and sort of the best way to, to get the maximum out of the attacking talents. I do think it will change. Uh, and I think sort of the reason why the overall statistics are maybe a little underwhelming at the moment is probably because there's been, uh, you know, at least sort of two, uh, you know, very tricky games so far. Um, that was both of the losses, Monaco and Nice, which shows that, you know, there is room for improvement for this Strasbourg side. But as we've established, Vieira is still bedding in uh, a lot of new names and sort of working on that team chemistry. And that that doesn't you know, come together overnight, even PSG, who, you know, are by far and away the best team in the gun, you know, they're having sort of chemistry issues at the beginning of this season because of the amount of players that they've changed. So, you know, I, I wouldn't read sort of too much into that, certainly not in terms of being pessimistic. And sort of like I said at the beginning, the best thing to to judge Strasbourg by so far is their home form. Uh, and two wins and a draw, uh, you know, it's pretty good going so far. Okay, they'll be disappointed with the way things went against Montpellier, especially after a slow start and then sort of getting a bit fortunate later on with, uh, especially with the, the first goal that, you know, I think it was an acrobatic effort from Delaine. That, the, over, um, the overhead kick, yeah. Yeah, it went in off the goalkeeper's back. So, you know, sometimes you get that kind of luck. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, as long as Tazewell can sort of aim or, uh, try as best they can to, to avoid defeats as many times as possible on uh, on home turf. They should be all right. Where I sort of predict to have to have them uh, sort of towards the business end of the season would be like mid table, perhaps with the opportunity to to push towards the European places. And for the moment, they're sort of on course with that. But at some point, I do think that they will have to sort of address their road form. But I only think that that will really happen, uh, you know, once Vieira has got. Uh, a strong idea of what he thinks will be his strongest 11 uh, and preferred style. Uh, and those players have really sort of, uh, you know, bedded in and, and managed to gel with each other a bit better than uh, they have so far. Yeah, I mean, looking ahead to their next eight matches, you know, that's essentially gets us to the end of November with the international break mixed in there. Are there any opportunities for, for them to pick up points? And, you know, kind of where where do you think that they will kind of be at the end of November, kind of heading into the festive time of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting looking at these upcoming fixtures because Mess, I mean, it's, you know, quite a regional rivalry. Yeah. Uh, one's going to be quite tricky. Really wants to try and avoid uh, defeat there to, you know, sort of keep morale uh, higher, at least not damage it. But, you know, some of their home games offer some really interesting opportunities to pick up points. Lance had an awful start to the season. So, uh, you know, Strasbourg should be looking at, you know, potentially getting maximum points from that. Same with Nantes at home. Same with Clermont at home, who I think, uh, you know, one of the teams with the worst records in Ligue 1 at the moment, along with Lyon and Lens. Uh, some of the tougher ones, unexpected, I mean, you know, sort of PSG away. Yeah, that's a given. But Brest, who are in, you know, fantastic form, uh, that away in November could get tricky. Ren away is never easy for anyone, even if you're one of the bigger teams in the league. Um, and funnily enough, I'm actually quite confident about Strasbourg's chances at home against Marseille, uh, sort of as we're recording this. So on the Tuesday, uh, you've got, uh, you know, stuff going down with Marseille where Marcelino looks like he's going to resign as coach. Uh, you've potentially got the, the the president, Longoria, as well, maybe stepping aside. So if Marseille is sort of still in flux by the end of uh, November, you know, it could be a, a good opportunity to play them because, you know, sort of when drama really sets in uh, at Marseille. It can be very difficult for, for them to, to turn things around and that could be a really good opportunity for Strasbourg, especially 
uh, you know, going into that match at home. Final note, because we know you have to get going to, to the rest of your busy day here. Um, would be remiss if we didn't touch on a Chelsea player in the Strasbourg squad, and that's Angelo. Um, obviously has seen more sub appearances than 90s, but did play 90 against Montpellier, uh, made the league on team of the week, uh, which was was great to see. Uh, what were your thoughts or what are your thoughts so far on his play and uh, just where he might go this season, you know, knowing that he's on loan, there are a bunch of other young players there. Yeah, I mean, really interesting to see him make, uh, you know, quite a, a promising start, especially with that Manning match uh, appearance. And, you know, I think he will grow into it. Uh, I was always going to be curious to see um, the first player that Chelsea really actively sent uh, to Strasbourg. I mean, at, at the time that we spoke just after the Blue Co uh, deal got done, uh, I actually personally thought that Datra Fofana was sort of the no-brainer that could have been, uh, you know, sent over. But, you know, it turns out that it's actually Angelo who uh, who ends up coming in. And, you know, I think he's shown that he's certainly got... Uh, uh, you know, a lot of potential, a lot of talent. I mean, you can see why immediately, uh, you know, Chelsea has moved to, to bring him in. And I do think that, you know, Lee Gunn is a good developmental spot for him because as you've seen from sort of the first couple of games, he was never going to be able to sort of hit the ground running with Strasbourg, but equally to be able to sort of pick up a, a man of the match award, you know, having not really started any games up until, uh, you know, Montpellier. Uh, getting that sort of feel for it, uh, I, I think that's the best sort of way to to break him in. So I'm expecting him to sort of develop on that. Hopefully, start to uh, you know contribute a little more directly uh, in the future. But certainly, sort of the the first couple of signs, uh, you know, have been very promising. And now that he does have that first ninety under his belt, it wouldn't surprise me if he becomes sort of a regular starter for the era in the coming months. Last question. Were you surprised that more Chelsea players did not go to to Strasbourg in the offseason? Or, or did you feel like this was going to be kind of a one-player sort of interaction? No, I didn't necessarily feel like it would only be a one-player uh, deal. I did. I, I was confident that Hugo Chukwu would probably be loaned back to, to Strasbourg. Obviously, that didn't come to, to fruition. Uh, my understanding was that you know talks were fairly advanced for that to potentially happen. And then ultimately, Pochettino felt like you know he was kind of pretty much ready for you know potential senior involvement whether that turns out to be the right decision or not you know i'll have to sort of wait and uh wait and see but uh you know i don't think it would have been a bad move had he uh ended up uh, you know coming on loan uh you know for the season and continued his development there you could argue it might have been a, a step down sort of in, in in immediate terms from ren who are, are sort of one of the the better teams in the league and normally challenging for for european qualification but equally, um, you know, I think he obviously would have been a key player uh, in that setup if he had come and, and might have developed a bit faster. But equally, he'll be getting, uh, you know, sort of, the, you know, the best sort of training experience and conditions possible, uh, you know, that he's ever had in his career. Now that he's training alongside some of the biggest names uh, in the game, sort of day in day out, so fingers crossed that his sort of situation, uh, you know, continues to. To, to develop uh, positively despite not making that loan move. But again, it's the kind of thing where because there's been so much activity both on Chelsea's side and Strasbourg's side, it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe revisit the situation in January and then yeah. we probably see uh, you know, one or two players make the, the jump for the loan move for the second half of the season. 
Well, JJ, obviously we covered a lot here uh, in in 30 minutes. Really appreciate your time and your expertise on all things French football and especially what's happening over at Strasbourg. Uh, Where can the people find you outside of this podcast for for your analysis? Thanks a lot for having me on as always. Uh, Pleasure and uh, I look forward to the next next catch up. Best place to find uh, my work and sort of anything Liga related is uh, on uh, Twitter or X, however however you want to call it. So <laughs> J-O-N underscore Legacy. Uh, and yeah, that's sort of where you'll find me chatting uh, all things uh, French football otherwise. We will we will link to his uh, most recent article about stats that have undermined Chelsea at the start of the season. Uh, a, fun, a fun article. I'm just disappointed you didn't get me previewing the, the Villa victory against Chelsea at the weekend. I know I've, I've, I've jinxed it now, but uh, obviously being a, being a Villa fan, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite confident about our chances against the Blues when we come up against you. Well, you've jinxed it now, so I feel better. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> look, as always, appreciate you, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right, Chelsea fans, that was a quick but thorough update of everything that's going on in Liga with Strasbourg. Uh, obviously, I appreciate JJ and his time uh, to, to cover all this in, in greater detail to talk about uh, a little bit of Angelo. Uh, if you if you miss him, uh, he's he's doing well under Vieira. So, uh, look, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.